This morning we have two readings from the New Testament, from the letters of Paul to the Corinthians and also the Philippians. The first one is from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 14 to 21, and then verses 27. If anybody's interested in following it in the um, Pew Bibles, it's on page 877. It's under the subheading, One Body, Many Parts. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. The second reading comes from Philippians 2, verses 12 to 16, and in the Pew Bibles it's page 900. Under the heading, Shine Brightly for Christ. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then, on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. May these readings be a blessing to us all. Amen. Thank you, Roger. Uh, as I mentioned, over the past 10 weeks, I've teamed up with Murray Bradshaw to continue the 7-Up program, which we run fortnightly uh, for the older youth in this church. Uh, over this time, we've been focusing on people in the Bible whom God has called to follow and serve him. And also, we're re reminding these young um, children that the reality is God still calls us today to follow and serve him too. Uh, and we've been using a series of short YouTube clips called God's Story. They've been a wonderful little four-minute clip uh, which focus on God's call to the variety of the um, characters that point to Jesus being the great rescuer. So far, uh, we've looked at Isaiah the prophet and his enthusiasm and readiness to serve God. You know, when um, in his vision, he hears God say, Whom shall I send? And he says, Here I am. Pick me. And he had the privilege of uh, sharing about the birth of Jesus 700 years before the event. Uh, and so 
his calling wasn't just for his generation or contemporary society. It was for, uh, for a later generation, a much wider audience. And what I also notice as we read through um, the book of Isaiah is that his enthusiasm for serving God and being ready to follow his calling is also mixed with reverent humility. We also uh, have looked at Abraham, learning how he was ready to trust God when he was called to go outside his comfort zone to a new land. And Abraham was ready to trust in God's promise of him being a father of many, even in his doubts, even when it seemed impossible for him and Sarah to have a son. God's calling for Abraham took time, sometimes seeming impossible or incredible. It involved his family. It was also not simply just for Abraham's benefit or pleasure. It was for all future generations of believers. We've uh, looked at the story of Esther, an orphan girl in a foreign land, pulled away from her friends and family, but placed in a position that would save her entire nation and the lineage of the promised saviour. She had to have the courage to risk her life for the Jewish nation. And God didn't just leave it to her to sort out. He put beside her a very discerning and close relative, Mordecai, who was able to give her advice. And when you read the story of Esther, um, you, you see how her uh, calling seems perfectly timed in God's control. It didn't necessarily make it easy, but it did reveal God's control over everything. And it's summed up with Mordecai saying to her, Who knows? Perhaps you were born for such a time as this. We also looked at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and how they had the knowledge that they are called to serve the one and only God and to follow that call even to the point of death. And so their comment to Nebuchadnezzar, the king, even if our God doesn't rescue us, we'll still not bow down to that idol you've created. It reveals that they understand that their call calls them to the one true God, no matter what. In return, they get to walk with God in those flames and are saved. The book of Daniel isn't just a, a call of those three men in Daniel. There are many people called in that, um, in that book itself. We see Nebuchadnezzar himself, one of the most violent, powerful leaders of the time, um, humbling himself and writing a letter to the entire world as we know it at that time, um, saying that Daniel's God is the one true God. And even later on, we find that Cyrus, who uh, defeats Babylon or uh, comes and overtakes Babylon in the one night, uh, the scholars of um, Israel are able to come and present to him from the book of Isaiah another letter which names him. A hundred years before the event, God put his name in the Bible and said what he's going to do and what's going to happen after that. Uh, it's amazing to see what... Um, what God plans for people. And we've been looking at Paul, uh, who's been given a very specific call that turned his life around. Someone who God chose specifically for the purpose of sharing the good news to the Gentile nations. And therefore we have God's word available to us today. And we explained how Paul's life is a wee bit like a puzzle. Uh, there's so many different parts, and sometimes you don't see the full, you don't understand God working in, in your life until you see the full picture, until they're all put together. That can be a little bit like our lives too. And until we get all the pieces of the puzzle together, uh, then you suddenly realize that there are other characters 
linked in there too, like Barnabas, John Mark, Silas and Timothy, to name a few. When we consider this broad spectrum of who God calls to follow him, there seems to be no rhyme or reason. And even if we decipher some sort of pattern of who God calls, then the choices seem so unnatural, so illogical um, of calling on humanity to bring this most important message to the world. And as we read of all these characters who God called, we can sometimes read it as if their callings were just plain and crystal clear to them. Uh, they were easy to recognize. We sometimes neglect that the amount of time that Daniel or Isaiah spent in prayer, both speaking to God, but also simply waiting and listening for when God would speak out loud to them. And even then, there's always that little bit of uncertainty in our minds about whether we've heard God correctly or not. Even Abraham sounds quite uncertain at times about what God tells him. It's at these times that we need to have the courage to believe that we can hear from God. So, first of all, what we want to be able to do is to be sure of our salvation. We first need to recognize that we are saved and to take the time to recognize our salvation as we live each day uh, for our Lord Jesus. When I read of uh, Philippians, the reading which Roger gave us today from Philippians, I like to read at least two different versions of it, the NLT and the NIV. In the reading today from the New Living Translation, it says this, Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. That phrase, work hard to show the results of your salvation. In this version, it's easy to interpret that we should live in such a way that shows the world that being saved through the blood of Jesus Christ is making a big difference in our daily lives. And that others recognize us even if they don't believe in Jesus themselves. I think that's the difference between uh, a nice person doing some good things and a Christian. Uh, there'll be that recognition that uh, this Christian is actually following the call God's given to them. When you have been given a call from God, it will affect your daily living, what you say, how you respond to situations. We may not always get it right, but we will continue to try. And I also like the New International Version. It says this, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. That phrase again, continue to work out your salvation. Well, it can mean the same thing. It does mean the same thing. The wording makes me think of an extra dimension. That every day we need to search the scriptures and to ponder on how God, the Lord God Almighty, would call us to share his good, to be in part of his good works and to share his message. That seems to, you know, I reflect on that and think, my goodness, God's giving this call to us. And it's probably the same wonderment as the angels and the prophets had when they were going through the scriptures or considering how God was going to have this great mystery, the church, to um, do his mission, to do his will. And so we can read these verses knowing that when it speaks of our salvation, it's equivalent 
to the call that God gives to each individual. And it's good to ponder on what God has called you to do because just like the disciples, you probably won't recognize the fullness of God working your life until after certain events. You look back and think, of course, how didn't I see that? God was piecing things together even when I was at a loss of what was going on or didn't understand the fullness of what he's calling me to. And the disciples had that same situation. Uh, in all the Gospels we hear of when Jesus explains how he must die, how the Messiah must die, they nod their heads, they hear the words, but it's not until later after he's risen that they think, why didn't we understand it? He said it as plain as can be. Why didn't we quite grasp it? So too, and in, in maybe in your lives, you've come across the point where you get to a point and you think back and think, my goodness, God was pointing me in that direction right from the beginning. And, and I sort of knew it, but I didn't grasp the fullness of it. Then looking back at Philippians, the second part of verses 12 and 13 uh, in either version very much mean the same in either case. We hear God's voice when we have his Holy Spirit living in us, like deep calling to deep. It says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Never underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. When you think you might have your individual calls sorted to a certain extent, then we do have one complication. God doesn't just call individuals. He gives a call to groups of people, to nations, like the nation of Israel, to tribes and to families, and to husbands and wives. And he gives a call to the church, the body of Christ. And while your individual call might have some similarities, there are still going to be some differences between your personal call and God's call to his church, or any church, such as St. Andrew's, Geraldine. As a church, we often define the call we believe we hear from God in various ways. We can uh, define it through the text of the year, allowing us to see the seasons of our call. It's also defined in our mission statement or vision, to glorify God, to go, grow and to go and tell others about the good news. There may be a similarity across all the, of God's churches, but there will also be some distinct elements for each church. Just as we read in the letters of, to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Each church with its own calling will have strengths and weaknesses. In the call that God gives to each of his churches, he does, not, he, does, he does give us some understanding of how the church should function. And a central image of how we should function to respond to God's call is found in the other reading today from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The illusion of the congregations of a church acting like a various parts of the body demonstrates both the strengths of a church when we work in unison with our individual gifts, skills and responsibilities and it demonstrates the weaknesses that can be found in the church when we neglect the significance of our individual roles in the body of Christ. Paul begins this illusion in, in chapter 12 uh, with this issue in mind when individuals neglect the significance of their role. For example, in verse 15, when the foot says, I'm not, not part of the body because I'm not a hand. This negligence can be shown in two ways. First, through undermining your own role. Like the foot saying, well, 
I'm not really very important. I'm not a hand, so the body can do without me getting too involved. Or the second way is through the type of self-righteousness. The foot saying, well, I should be a hand, and I should be doing the things a hand is doing, and if I can't be a hand, then you don't really need me at all. Both ways can harm a church and bring grief to the body of Christ. And then the passage, uh, in this passage we are reminded of how God uses the church to glorify him, just as individuals can glorify God. And the same explanation is used in both Corinthians and in Philippians. Verse 18 in Corinthians, But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. And if we aside that along to Philippians verse 13, it says the same thing, just with different words. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Recognizing this truth of God working in the church allows the church to grow from strength to strength. Then the second part of the Corinthians passage shows the other weakness or misuse of the church as the body of Christ. When we place judgment on each other, verse 21, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, mm, I don't need you. The eye and the hand must work together to succeed in God's calling to the body of Christ. If we are to rescue those who are lost, we must first see who they are and then be able to reach out to them and draw them in. The allusion to the, the body of Christ, the parts of uh, the body, uh, reminds me of uh, something which we did at kindergarten when I was four years old. I grew up here in Geraldine and I went to the kindergarten over here. How many people, uh, I don't know if you guys have, but anyone here gone to the kindergarten? Fiona? Uh, Neil? Brilliant. And in fact, I don't know, Neil, you might be able to tell me, but I know that even before I was there, they had the wooden birthday cake. Um, did you ever get the wooden birthday cake there? Okay, it must have been about 50 years ago. My older sisters had it there, and every time they had the birthday cake. Can you remember anything from kindergarten? I remember when it started, it was in the St. Andrew's Hall, and then I went to the new kindy when it started. Yeah, and, and in fact, the church gave a wee bit more land there, didn't they? Yeah, that's wonderful to have them still there. Uh, anyway, there, there was a wooden birthday cake. Did you have the wooden birthday cake, Fiona? I think you, we got real ones. You got real ones. <laughs> Some people today say they've still got the wooden birthday cake. Are you sure it was real? <laughs> anyway, one, thing, one other thing I remember from uh, kindergarten, which happened a lot, was the dance, the, the hokey-tokey. We called it the hokey-pokey, because in those days, the favourite ice cream was a hokey-pokey, and that's what we called it too. Uh, anyone done the hokey-tokey dance? Oh, good. Okay, and you know, you, you put your left hand in, you put your left hand out, put the left hand in, you shake it all about. Um, and... Of course, these days, for some of you, that's a bit of a scary song when it says you, you put your left hip out. That's not good at all, is it? Um, so, so I know it's, it might bring back bad memories, uh, perhaps. But um, the purpose of the song is a little bit similar to what Paul's described. Because it finishes by saying you put your whole body in, you take your whole body out. And it's, the purpose is not just to name all the parts of the body, but to show how it works together in unison. So the purpose, not just to label different roles in the body of Christ or to give excuses to leave some tasks to someone else 
or to presume that we have the priority to do specific jobs over others. Chapter 12 is an encouragement to get us all involved in God's call to this church. And in our passages today, we're also reminded about how our attitude should be like when we are involved. So in Philippians, we are told again uh, in verse 14, do everything without complaining and arguing. If Paul had added that to the Corinthian reading, it might sound something like work together without complaining and arguing. And finally, if at this point you're still pondering over what God's call to you personally is, or what God's calling in our church, is to our church, then recognize that the scriptures give you more than enough information of how to make a start. The passage from Philippians is one of those. What is God's calling to us all? To live clean, innocent lives as children of God. To shine like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people who sometimes unwittingly will, un will corrupt God's truth and make the complete opposite their focus. And we are called to hold firmly to the word of life. Some of you will have heard God quite clearly in lives and a call, and you can experience it. It's a wonderful joy when you see him calling and you get it right. Others of you might be uncertain. You might think, well, how do I know God's voice? Can I encourage you, if you're, if you're thinking that, then take time to chat away to two or three different people because God works in different ways for each person. And how I might explain uh, my understanding of when I hear God speaking to me will be different from someone else. And after you've heard two or three different people explain that to you, then you might see some similarities, but you also might see the variety of ways and recognize how God will speak to you too. One final thing I just want to do as we um, wrap up the message. Chloe and Jessica, can I get you to help me again, please? Um, I've got a gift for you. A few weeks ago, I was at West Coast um, working out the message, and I was along the beach there, uh, and uh, Daniel and myself picked up 153 white stones for you. Uh, why? No, not because I knew there were going to be 153 people in this um, in this. Uh, uh, church today. Anyone know where the uh, number 153 comes in the Bible? Well done. Yeah, the miraculous number of fish caught. 153. Uh, you can read into that whatever you like. What I see is it's just God at work. Yeah, well done. So uh, just take one of these stones. I know if you've got children or grandchildren, you probably have like boxes of stones when you take them to the beach and they come back with you know, 20 kg of stones for the car uh, and they just sort of get put to the side or on a shelf and you don't know what to do with them. So whatever you do when you go home, that's fine. But just take one now for me. I just want to explain why. Just wait for the last few to get their own white stone. I want to compare your calling to a white stone on a beach. You now know what type of stone I mean, like up here too. Walking along a shingle beach, the landscape is littered with all types and sizes of stones. Many might catch your eye. One type which does are the pure white stones. Some no bigger than a jelly bean, but which seem to gleam and shine. Thank you. 
while there are many of them, one catches your eye. Maybe it's the roundness of the stone. Maybe just the shape or size or the whiteness of the stone. Whatever the case, you pick it up and you enjoy its smoothness. Imagine this white stone is your calling from God. Out of all the stones on the beach, this is God's particular call to you. Maybe it is a different size or shape from others, but when you accept it, when you pick it up and hold on to it, that smoothness brings a sort of a peace and a joy and a hope to you. So too, when you hear God's voice speaking to you. Of course, just like these stones, a calling may not always begin smooth. The smoothness comes from the weathering and challenges that come as you follow that calling. And just as a stone from the beach can be discarded, put aside or left in your pocket and forgotten, that can happen too to your calling at times. Or we look for a different stone on the beach. So when you recognize God's calling to you, make sure you keep it somewhere visible. A reminder when you wake up each day. Cherish it, feel it, enjoy it, no matter what form it may be. Let's pray. Lord, today we've thought about how you call to us. That seems unbelievable that you would call someone like me to serve you. But Lord, thank you that you have called us by name. Thank you that even when we have things which get in the way from us hearing you completely and clearly, you don't give up on us. And thank you that you have a specific call for each individual here and for this church as the body of Christ. Lord, help us to work out our salvation, to realize the different things day by day that we might do and serve you in because we know we are saved by you. Help us, Lord, to be refreshed. Help us to hear your call, your voice, and rejoice in knowing your voice. In Jesus' name, amen.